0: So we have two different books we're going to read from. The first one is Isaiah 40 verses 21 to 31. It's pages 1 it's page 100, oh, sorry, 1120 in your Pew Bible. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you? From the beginning, have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a can. He reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown. No sooner do they take root in the ground. than he blows up on them, and they wither. And a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will e- equal me? Or who is my equal? Says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look into the heavens. Who created all these? He brings out the starry host one by one. And calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great powder, power and great strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, My way is hidden from the Lord by my God, Do you not know, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. It's 1,553 in your pew Bible. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. And the, the fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening, after the sunset, the people brought together all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak, because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. Let's go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out the demons.
1: Great job, Michael. Thank you for reading scripture this morning for us. Friends, would you join me in prayer today? Loving and gracious God, inspire us, fill us, renew us, and refresh us in the ways that only you can. For Lord, we, your people, need a word today, a word from you, a word to sustain us for the living of these days. So Lord, meet us where we are, but for your glory and for our good, don't leave us where you found us. This we pray in Jesus' name, and we all said, amen. So my little Beatrice, the one who was singing in the cherub choir earlier today, who was alternating between doing the motions and picking her nose, she turns four tomorrow. Now I got to tell you something, dad's having a real hard time with little B getting older i got four kids, those who don't know, and I love them all. I would do anything in the world for any of them. But though maybe those of you who are parents or have multiple children, you have a different kind of relationship with each of your kids. Now, when we had the twins, quite frankly, I was not ready to be a dad. When B was born, I was a little bit more ready. And B was born February 2020. What happened the next month? We were wiping down boxes of kicks from the grocery store. We were all in our homes, and so I had Bee with me all the time, and we just developed a different kind of bond. And I think I was a little more ready to be a dad. So to see her get older and a little bit more independent, oh, it's hard for dad. Give me the pick in your nose while you're singing Whole World in His Hands, Beatrice. For a long long time. That's that's the bee I want to hold on to. So I was thinking about that this week, about her birthday. I was thinking about seasons in life. How many of you have been through a season in life? How many of you know what a season in life is? Now, I'm not just talking about uh, winter, spring, summer, and fall. I mean a season in life. I'm watching Beatrice move from one season into another season. And it's hard to watch. There are seasons like that of children growing but that are normal part of them that's the season that we have to endure and and move through to the next season. Then there are seasons in life. There's sickness, there's hardship, there's distress, there's trouble. There's relationships that are broken, there are loved ones who pass on. There are seasons of life that we endure that are painful difficult that perhaps prompt from us some questions to God. Have you ever been through a season in life that's caused you to ask God some tough questions? Maybe some of you are in a season right now, and you're having some conversations with God. Sometimes the questions that we ask God can fluctuate and change depending on the season in life that we're in. Maybe when everything is going really well and the job is good and the family's healthy, we might not be asking questions about God's goodness or wondering where God is. And then sometimes when we're in it, when the season is dark and distressing, maybe then we ask some questions. Now why is this happening? God, where are you? God, if you're good, why? How many of you resonate with some of those questions? Maybe you've asked them in a season. The Israelite people were in a season in Isaiah chapter 40. Scholars sort of divide the theme of Isaiah into two distinct chunks. Chapter 1 through 39, there's a lot of judgment and condemnation and warning about what is going to happen to God's people. And then chapter 40 through chapter 66, focuses on the promise of redemption for people who are suffering, for people who are in it, for people who are experiencing a season. You see, this this huge empire from the northeast has come down, the Babylonian Empire. It's around 586, 587 B.C. They've destroyed the temple. They've taken the people of God away. And it has shattered God's people. They're in a season. They don't know why this has happened, why God has allowed this to happen. If God is good, why are bad things happening to his people? They're asking some questions of God because they're in a season. And God has told them. Here's one thing about God's people when they go through a season in Scripture. They can't say that God did not give them plenty of advanced warning. God sent prophets over and over and over again to call them back to faithfulness. And when the people refuse to adhere to the terms of this covenantal relationship with God, God tells them what the consequences will be. And so God has given them ample opportunity to turn. He's given them warning, and they have not heeded it. And so this nation has come down and taken them off into captivity. And here it turn in the season of these people. The first words in Isaiah chapter 40 are this, comfort. Oh, comfort my people, says God. Now when we think of comfort, we might think of someone giving you a big bear hug. Nice warm fuzzies. It's not quite what it means here. It means actively be part of encouraging people. Build them up. Give them strength to endure. Comfort, oh, comfort my people, says God. And then he goes on and on. And what happens all through chapter 40? The uh, the author compares the majesty and the greatness and the goodness of God with fallible, fragile humanity. And the God creator of the universe, what are human beings like to God? Little grasshoppers perhaps with a bit of of, uh, exasperation, almost even sarcasm, says, don't you know, hasn't it been you from the beginning? The Lord is an everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. His understanding is unsearchable, and His wisdom is beyond understanding. So what does this mean for a people in a season? Then and then. Perhaps one of the most... Uh, well-known images from this scripture is on the screen. What do you see there? An eagle. Beautiful words of uh, of comfort that we often read at a funeral. They're in hymns that we Those who hope in the Lord will. So hoping does something for us. Wow, all right. So those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength, they will mount up with wings like, when I was a kid, there was a little wildlife refuge near where I grew up. And there was this giant eagle's nest at the top of this um, this, this platform, probably 30, 40 feet in the air. And probably when I was uh, 17 or 18 years old, it was very rudimentary technology then, but they put a digital camera inside the nest so that we could watch... Uh, the 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 mother eagle tend to her young, and then one day you'd see those eggs crack open, those little birds would hatch, she'd feed them, and eventually what would happen? One day those birds would get big enough, and they would get up, and they'd kind of teeter on the edge of that nest, and they'd start to fly themselves. It was incredible to watch. So I would study that camera, that live feed from those eagles' nests, and that got me really interested about eagles, and so I started to read about them. And you know what to me was one of the most fascinating things that I know how to ride the wind currents. They don't they're not out there flapping their wings. No, 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 they soar and they take advantage of what is already there to lift them up. And what else do eagles do? When there's a storm, when there's in storming down on it. They go so high up that they are out of harm's way and when they're that high up they're not looking up at the storm, they're looking down on it because they're over it. Friends, sometimes we're in some seasons that bring a lot of storms in our lives. And here's the that when we hope something happens to us, starts to change us, it starts to challenge our outlook. It starts to shape us into a different kind of people. Lord, listen, not those who actively try to change their situation. Because when you and I try to make a good season out of a bad one, what do we often do? We make it worse. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength, and then they will what? Mount up with wings like eagles. When we hold on to hope, which is not pie-in-the-sky, sort of Pollyanna-ish thinking. It's actual trust and confidence that the God who has been faithful in the past will be faithful in the future. And that when we adopt that and allow that to shape us and to change us when we become people of hope, guess what starts to happen? We start to sense some currents under our arms. We start to sense a strength that hadn't been there before. It's a divine gift of God's Spirit, and it starts to lift us up and up and up until, guess what? Our problems are still there, but we have a new perspective on our problems. Instead of being under our problems, feeling crushed by the weight of them, we're over them. We have a new perspective. We start to see things from God's point of view. You know why? Because we're people of hope. We're people who've allowed ourselves to be changed and renewed and refreshed by a God who wants to give His people hope, who wants to fill them up. And God who, as James Finley says, God who protects us from nothing but sustains us in everything. Our problems don't magically go away. That is not a promise given to us in the Christian life. But we're given new perspective and we're given new position in relationship to the difficult storms of life. Friends, maybe you're in a season today and you don't think you'll mount those currents of God's Holy Spirit and you get above it. And he gives you the grace and the mercy to live on to a new season. Amen? Amen.